forgot to say it earlier, but if there's any children who would like to go to children's church, this is, this is your time. So... We're going to be reading this morning from Luke chapter 15, if you would like to turn there. And I will be reading from the Common English Version. I'm just going to start with the first couple of verses. All the tax collectors and sinners were gathered around Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees and the legal experts were grumbling, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Let's pray. Loving God, I am thankful that Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. I'm thankful that Jesus loves a sinner like me. And I'm also thankful that Jesus takes time to speak to and love the religious people who sometimes have a hardened heart towards others. I pray that you'll speak to all of us this morning. And I pray it won't be my words, but your words. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this passage this morning, uh, did you notice who Jesus is going to be speaking to? He's going to be speaking to the religious people, the religious leaders and experts, the Pharisees, right? So on, on one side of this scripture, we see that Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. For, for some of us, that's really good news, right? For some of us, we're saying, that's great, because I, I, I'm a sinner, and, and I've done some terrible things, and Jesus takes time to meet with those people. That's great news. But for the legal experts, they're grumbling about it, right? They're not happy about this at all. Who does Jesus think he is, saying he is of God, and he's spending time with these people over here? Who does Jesus think he is, right? And it's one thing. It's one thing to be nice to a sinner or a tax collector on the street, isn't it? To walk by and shake a hand and just say, hey, how are you? That's one thing. But Jesus is doing something very sacred here. He's sharing a meal with these people. Who does Jesus think he is, right? And who are these religious people in this text? Uh, is that us? I know sometimes it's me, right? And if it's not us, is it us sometimes? Or maybe has it been us in the past? Or do we have potential to be that religious person in the future, right? So this is how Jesus will start his story. Before I do that, before I do that, actually, uh, if there's somebody here who has been hurt by Christians, who has been hurt by a church, maybe not this church, but hurt by some church somewhere, uh, me being someone who works currently for a church, I apologize to you. I have been in my life at times... That religious person who is not loving, I have been that person who might be offended by who God extends grace to, and to you I apologize, and I'm sorry because that's not Jesus. So I think we need to say that more often. Um, so let's start with the scripture that Jesus starts to share with these folks. This is the parable he will tell them, and I bet you've heard it before, uh, and this is where the lost sheep starts in verse 3. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose someone among you had 100 sheep and lost one of them. Wouldn't he leave the other 99 in the pasture and search for the lost one until he finds it? And when he finds it, he is thrilled and places it on his shoulder. 
When he arrives home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Celebrate with me, because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who changed both heart and life than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need to change their heart and lives. It's a powerful scripture, isn't it? That Jesus talks about going after the one, going after the one who has wandered off. And sometimes we've been the one that's wandered off, haven't we? Right? Uh, And when I read this, though, I thought about it. I currently don't know anybody who's employed as a shepherd. So I had to put this story a little bit, I had to frame it in a little bit of a way that I could understand. So I thought about it. Pastor Kerry, uh, who just took some children out to Children's Church, I was thinking, what would it be like if we took a hundred children and youth, so kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, we took a hundred of them. This is, a, this is not a real story. This did not really happen, all right? So imagine we're taking a hundred kids. Some of you are chaperoning this trip. I know you're thinking it's a nightmare, but you're, some of you imagine the story. You're chaperoning this trip to the Chattanooga Aquarium, all right? And Pastor Carrie's much more organized than me, all right? So she counts them. She makes sure we have all hundred. But when we're getting ready to leave, one of them might be a little bit like Mark Condor when he was little, like just moving around a lot, right? So when she counts, she counts a hundred, but one of those kids moved around a lot. So we go out for pizza afterwards. We're at the local pizza shop in Chattanooga, and the look of horror happens. We forgot a kid, right? Again, this is not a real story. So imagine that we're at the pizza shop, and we say we forgot a kid. What do we do? What do we do? What is the heart of God to go after, if we'll say, a sixth grader? A sixth grader has been left in the aquarium. We're going to go find them, right? Because they're important. They are valuable. They are loved by God. God cares about everyone and goes after them. Um, but Jesus is not done there, right? In that parable, he said, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who changes both heart and life than over 99 righteous people who have no need to change their lives. The heart of God cares for the one who wandered off. And one story wasn't enough. Jesus is going to tell another story. In this story, he talks about a woman who has lost a coin. Starts in verse 8. Or what woman, if she owns ten silver coins, loses one of them? Won't she light a lamp and sweep the house, searching her home carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, She calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, joy breaks out in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who changes both heart and life. When I read this story and I think about a woman searching her whole house for this coin, I think this is almost a daily occurrence in my house. Does anybody else here lose their keys, phone, or wallet? on a daily or weekly basis. It's usually my keys or my phone, but it happens all the time. I promise it does. So uh, imagine you're frantic looking for your keys or phone, but times a thousand. This is the, the, the uh, motion to it is times a thousand to your normal searching. Because this, this wasn't like a quarter. This is this woman's savings, right? This might be her uh, retirement, or it might keep her uh, current way of living. If she doesn't have that coin, she can't live that standard of living she's had, she needs this coin. And she's going to find it, right? She is going to search everywhere. It's valuable to her. And in the same way, God says that lost, that person who has wandered off, that is lost, 
is just as valuable as this coin is to this woman. Um, has anybody ever done one of those puzzles, like a really big puzzle, where you clear off your whole dining room table and it takes over your life, it takes over a whole room, right? I've done those before. And myself, whenever I've done a puzzle, there's always one missing piece every time. Either a toddler took it, a dog might have taken it, or it's buried in a couch. But you will do everything to find it. You will do everything to find it. And when you start that puzzle, there might be a piece that looks a little odd. Maybe the color's weird, or for whatever reason, it's not important to you then. But now it's missing, and you realize it's missing, right? Because every piece is valuable to God. Every person is valuable to God. Even that piece in the puzzle that I thought, it's not, it's not that important. Listen, it's important and it's needed. Um, I find myself, like the religious people, sometimes judging others, sometimes not wanting everybody to come to the kingdom of God party, right? Uh, I was recently in To Kill a Mockingbird at the Ritz Theater for a couple weeks. And every day, in rehearsal and during the show, I would hear Atticus Finch say this line. You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view, until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. So that's what I've been stuck with for the past couple weeks, is that line from Atticus Finch. When I find myself not loving someone or not welcoming someone, trying to climb into their skin and walk around in it, where are they coming from? Because they are loved and valued by God. So if the heart of God has empathy and compassion for the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost person, we know that all are cared for and that God has compassion for all. But Jesus isn't done. He's going to share one more story. And this one you know. It's the prodigal son. You've heard it before. Verse 11. Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterward, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. So I imagine this son, this prodigal son, he leaves his father. He doesn't want to live there anymore. He doesn't want to spend time with his father anymore. He wants to wander off. He wants to do his own thing. And we know in this story that the father represents God. And I think if we were honest with ourselves, we've all had those times where we've wandered off a little bit, right? At least a little. We sang a song, Come Thou Fount, and the line in that song is, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Because we've all had those moments, haven't we? Uh, and, and then you know, you know the story will go on. I'm going to skip a little bit of the scripture here. But we know later on that this son is going to spend all his money and he's going to have a good time doing it. Because let me tell you, sometimes sinning is really fun, isn't it? Right? We can admit that. But he hits rock bottom. He hits rock bottom. He starts working in a, in, a, in, in a countryside, and he's taking care of pigs. And then he's jealous. He's jealous with the, when there's a, uh, a famine in the land. He is jealous of what the pigs are eating. He wants to be eating what they're eating. He's hit rock bottom. He has hit rock bottom. And some of us have to learn the hard way and hit rock bottom, don't we? But then this is what happens next. In verse 17, this younger son, he comes to his senses. He said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, but I'm starved to death? 
I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. While he was far off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. This his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly bring out your best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fatted calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting, because this son of mine was lost and has come back to life. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. This is how God feels about us. Whenever we come to God, he is ready to embrace us, ready to love us. And I love this story of the prodigal son. Like I said, in this room, we've all had those periods of wondering, all had those phases. Uh, some of us maybe haven't gone as low as this guy did to eat, want to eat the slop that the pigs were eating. But this father didn't care. He loves us, and he loves those who have wandered off and Sometimes when we wander off and do terrible things, God loves and cares about us. But remember, this story here, these three stories, Jesus is speaking to the religious people, who oftentimes is me. And the older son in this story is going to be a lot like the religious people. Verse 25, Now his older son was in the field. Coming in from the field, he approached the house, and he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked, what was going on? The servant replied, your brother has arrived, and your father has slaughtered the fatted calf because he received his son back safe and sound. Now listen to this. This is us sometimes, right? The older son was furious and didn't want to enter in, but his father came and begged him. He answered his father, look, I've served you all these years, and I never disobeyed your instruction. Yet you've never so much as given me a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returns, after gobbling away up your estate on prostitutes, you slaughtered the fatted calf for him. Then his father said, Son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. We've seen from the other stories of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the younger son that God cares so much and desires for those who have wandered off. He loves them. He loves them. But sometimes I find myself to be the religious one, the judging, the unwelcome, the unloving one. The older brother is kind of like me. I don't know about you guys. I grew up in church. I've always been a part of it. I went to vacation Bible school. I always grew up knowing that I had access to speak and pray to our Creator. I always had that. I always had Christian community that I could be a part of, and I sometimes took advantage of it. I, I just took it for granted. Um, and I think that's what the older brother did here. And when he, sees, when he sees the Father in this story, extending grace and love to the one who wandered off, he gets jealous. Why is this one being blessed? Why is this one getting the, this great reward? Um, and that's me sometimes. Sometimes I get jealous of the ones who have wandered off 
and receive God's grace and blessing, right? I think some of us, if we really examined ourselves, we might have that. Because I didn't have to spend time in jail. I never had to wander off and eat with the pigs, right? And sometimes those folks who did, sometimes I'm unwelcoming to them. Sometimes I'm unloving to them. But here's what amazes me about this story. Jesus is loving the tax collectors and sinners, but Jesus is also loving the religious folks enough, those ones who are judging, those ones who are not so loving and welcoming. Jesus loves them enough to share some stories with them, to try to change their hearts. The older son in the story, the one who has had access to God, the, whole, the father, the whole time, he's had all the land of God, he's, he's, been in, he's been in the presence of his father the whole time, and just didn't even realize how great it was. And he's jealous when somebody else gets to come to the party. Right? The father comes looking for that older brother. He comes looking for him. And he begs him. He begs him. Come to the party. Come to the party. And I imagine that's what Jesus says to us. Whether the, we're the one who is currently wandering off. Or we're the one who is currently uh, struggling down a road of sin and, and in the wilderness right now. Jesus is saying, come to the party. And sometimes, myself, I'm on the religious side and I'm not so welcoming to others. Jesus is saying, come to the party. You are welcome here. Sometimes I even find myself somewhere weird in the middle of both the, the prodigal and the older brother. Sometimes I'm this weird place where the religious folks who I think are too judgmental, I don't want to be loving and welcoming to them, right? And then sometimes I'm not welcoming to the people on that side. But the kingdom of God is a party. And God is welcoming us all and saying, come to the party. Let's pray. Loving God, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for loving me when I have wandered off. I thank you that you love me when I am just a religious person who is thinking I'm just so great and wonderful, God. I thank you that you still love me and say, come to the party. I pray that you will continue to change us and shape us to love the lost sheep, to care about those who are wandering off. But also that we'll still try to reach people who aren't loving of others, that we'll still try to reach them as well, God. I ask you to just shape us and mold us this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.